I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high-quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. What's up, everyone? It's Noah Daniels, and we're here for the Real Hauntings podcast. Hey, guys, I'm Kat. And on this episode, <laughs> uh, we reached out to Ashley, a.k.a. Lampkin Studios. Is it Lampkin Studios? Is that how you it's, pronounce it? It's Le Pan. It's oh. like French for rabbit because I have giant buck teeth. Well, I was almost said that makes so much sense to you said the last part. And I was like, well, I don't think I'm going to comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, I saw her TikTok and now she's one of my favorite follows on social media. She does so much more than just talk about spooky paranormal stuff. She's a model, an actress, a comedian, does a lot of really cool interviews in her own right. So yeah, Ashley, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for having me and get ready for the astronomical amount of snorting that's going to happen in the next however many minutes. <laughs> Yay. Can't wait. We are a snort friendly podcast. Yes. Um, snort friendly. Not, not cocaine, but uh, unless you like that. I don't know. Maybe cocaine. Mainly, mainly the laughing. We totally 100% support snorts when laughing. I only wait in lines. I don't really do them. <laughs> Jeez, it took me a minute. I was like, wait, what? Oh. <laughs> and now we're the best comedy podcast out there. I'm here all week, literally trapped in my house. So, <laughs> yeah. So, Ashley, could you kind of, you know, I did a, a brief intro on who you are, but can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So, like you said, I'm kind of a jack of all trades. I work in radio full time. Um, and when I'm not doing that, I model, act, I do comedy. And I'm a writer. The whole, it's funny because I think 12 million people saw that TikTok, which, and it's also funny because like people will start to see it around the world when it gets that big. And so suddenly I'll start getting comments in like German and I'm like, oh, it's making its trip around Germany, you know, <laughs> and I don't really get it. It's just this weird thing that happened to me when I was 10. That's kind of followed me my whole life. The best way I can explain it is... I kind of know things. Things tell me when things are going to happen, if it's about death or birth. It's weird. Hmm. But yeah. I don't do it. Like, I don't do it. I don't seek it out. I don't, like, study it. Something just says, hey, so-and-so's dead. And I'm like, cool, thanks. You don't wow. go out and, and murder them to make sure it comes true. Just to make <laughs> sure it comes to fruition. You know, I can't take my chances. It's a voice that tells me, and it's not a man or a woman, and it's not, like, it's just there. And honestly, the best way I can describe it is like a sitcom. It'll tell me something and I'm like, shut up. And it'll go, no, this is what's going to happen. And I'm like, I don't want to hear you. And it's like, we don't care. Like, we need you to hear us. And I'm like, fine. Man. Have you found any instances of this to be helpful or? They're always helpful. Yeah. Like, it's never, 
I mean, it's scary, but it usually is just trying to tell me something that I need to know. Like when I was 10, um, my dog, he was like 11 at the time. Um, and it was our first family dog and we put him in the backyard to go to the store. I think this was the TikTok video you found. Um, we put him in the backyard like we always do. And we went to the store and in the middle of like picking out some ego waffles, granted I'm a 10 year old, I hear this voice in my head that says your dog's dead. And it started to like thunder and lightning outside. And the voice just kept saying your dog is dead in the backyard. And so I started to cry and I told my mom, I was like, the dog's dead. We have to go home. And she didn't believe me. Of course, she was like, the dog's not dead. We just left him for a minute. He'll be fine. He's probably under the deck. It's just raining. And I wouldn't stop screaming that the dog was dead. So she had to like pack up the waffles and not even pay for them. She just left and she took me home and she kind of sat me on the, what happened was we had like a living room that went down to the basement that went outside. So when we got home, I sat on the basement stairs and I wouldn't move any further because in my 10 year old head, I don't want to see my dead dog, you know, like I'm already traumatized enough. And so she went outside to like prove to me that the dog was alive and she came back in crying. And my dad was like, what's wrong? And my mom's like, the dog's dead. And then she just kind of looked at me and I was like, told you so. And that was like one of the most visceral early ones that I remember. Because I remember thinking it wasn't a kid, it wasn't an adult, it wasn't a girl, it wasn't a boy. It just said, your dog is dead. And I was like, well, thanks. But it wasn't trying to hurt me. It was just trying to tell me. And I kind of think it was trying to tell me that so that I didn't go find him, you know? Well, Ashley, before we get too far into your experiences with the paranormal, we do usually start our podcast out by asking our guests kind of where they fall on their belief <laughs> of the supernatural. Zero being they don't believe at all. Ten being uh, an embodied voice tells you who's dying and when they're dying. Where do you kind of fall on that scale? I don't know. It's funny. I just took off running, didn't I? Sorry. My bad. No, no. Oh, you're fine. You're it good. happens all the time. All the, um, we, do it, we do it more than anyone else. <laughs> I would say, I mean, honestly, a five or a six, because when I hear these things, I'm like, that's not true or that's not going to happen. And it's not like I hear them every single day, but when I do, I kind of fight it. And a lot of my stories are like, it'll tell me to do something and I'll literally stand there and fight it. And it's like, please just listen to me. And I'm like, I don't believe in you. (laughs) Wow. Right. That's interesting. So this happened at 10. Yeah. I mean, can you even quantify like how many times it's happened since you were 10? I mean, the feelings happen regularly. Usually it has to do with the space that I'm in. So if I touch something, it has to be, the reason it's not like every day is I have to be around death or birth. So it's like someone I know has to be having a baby. Someone I know has to be on their way out. Um, And the space that I'm in, something really like violent or something really deadly had to happen there for me to get that feeling. So like, I'm pretty lucky because I kind of go about my life and I guess I'm not surrounded with death. (laughs) That's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I could pick out like a handful of times that something like that's happened. But like, as far as that feeling, I don't know, a hundred times. I mean- however many times I've been around a space where something has happened. Wow. Have you ever just been like out in public or anything and felt it? Or does it typically have to be someone, you know, typically it's someone I know typically it's someone like you have to have like a connection, but like when I went to Savannah, my fiance and I went to dinner and all of a sudden I like couldn't eat my dinner. And I was like, what is this? And it was just really cold and just really gross and just very dead. And we were in this restaurant in like the basement of this restaurant. Um, And I didn't really know much about the restaurant, but I just knew people died there. Like I was just, people died here. I cannot stay here, but I'm curious to know why I keep staring at this corner of the room. Like, so that was kind of in public. And then it turns out the corner of the room was actually the bubonic plague cavern or the yellow fever cavern where everyone went to die. And I was like, great, I'm going to finish my spaghetti now. So you get these feelings and you said sometimes, or a lot of times it is about people, you know, have you ever tried to prevent somebody's death? Mm, So far I haven't really gotten. Or prevent somebody's birth. I don't know. It could go the other way. (laughs) 
<laughs> with the birth stuff, it usually just has to do with like knowing when someone's pregnant or seeing the baby like before it's born, that kind of thing, or knowing what it is, um, <clears throat> which is really weird. I don't know why I do that. It really freaks people out. <laughs> but when it comes to the death stuff, like, especially in my life, I haven't had anyone like younger around me die. I have had like grandparents pass away. And what's happened in that situation is I had my grandparents passed away within 10 months of each other when I was 16. And in those 10 months, I did nothing but dream about the one crossing over while the other one was still alive. So things like that, especially while I'm dreaming, because I usually have nothing but nightmares. But when I do dream something about someone who is like in between, it'll be a lot of chasing them around them going into white lights that I'm not allowed to go into people pulling me like over caverns to try to get me to a different side. Like that'll happen if someone's dead and someone is still here, that kind of thing. Like very unfinished business type stuff. I don't know what I would do if like, if I had that, if, I mean, hyperbolizing it, if you had the ability to know like who's going to die when, and I know that that's not exactly what it is, but I don't know if I'd want that. What kind of superpowers would you guys want if you could have one? I'd want to fly. Yeah. Forget this. <laughs> I don't want yeah. <laughs> You're right. I always that's- say I want to be invisible, but like as an extrovert, I think that's the weirdest power to want, but that's always what comes to my mind. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's because extroverts, I don't, I can't speak for all extroverts, but we love hearing what other people are saying because we want to know if they like us, if they're talking about us, what it's all the dish, not just about us, but we just want to know the dish. And that's why I would be invisible, but I don't know if that's the one I would choose. I don't know. I've never had a good answer to this. I would also just accept like to be able to eat as much food as I want without gaining weight. If that mm. superpower. Oh, I like enough. that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be nice. I, I feel like that would be the most, like, it's like a mundane superpower. Like yeah. nobody would know that you had it, but it's there and it's actually very powerful. <laughs> You're very like boring dystopia superpower. So I just, <laughs> So Ashley, with, with this ability, so this happened at 10, what did your mom think after this happened? Did she immediately accept like, oh, my daughter has this gift? Did she kind of write it off as like a weird anomaly or how did you guys proceed after that? Just, I can't really remember. All I know is I didn't feel any different about myself. So I'm pretty sure that she just wrote it off. I mean, it happened all the time and we would have discussions about it. Like one time I found our dead ancestor. That was fun. (laughs) That was a good time. Where did you find them? (laughs) Not in the closet or anything. Come on. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think this one was around 15, but my mom did a lot of genealogy growing up. So she would always travel to graveyards to like trace ancestors back and like see where people were buried and like do genealogy trees and all that stuff. And she would kind of tow me along with her, which of course she took me to a lot of haunted places. Thank you, mom. (laughs) So we went to this one graveyard and I remember it was like 104 degrees outside, like literally. And I was standing in like jogging, like a jogging pair of shorts and a tank top in the middle of this, you know, graveyard sweating. And the voice that told me that my dog was dead all of a sudden made a reappearance and said, walk halfway to the purple flowers, stop and look down. (laughs) And my first response was, that's oddly specific. Um, and I looked up and there were some purple flowers across the way from me. And I told it, no, I was like, it's hot. I really don't want to walk that far. And I don't know when to stop. Like, what am I looking for? And it said, do it. I'll tell you when to stop. And I said, no. (laughs) And it said, yes. And I said, no. And then I said, fine. So I started walking and I felt a tug that said, stop. Like I heard it and I felt it on my foot and I looked down And the gravestone had my mom's maiden name on it. So I called her over and it turns out, I didn't know she'd been looking for this woman. I'd never like heard the name before in my life, but she'd been looking for one of my like great, great, great aunts or something for six months. She couldn't find her. She gave up looking for her. And it turns out that she was buried, I think with a husband's family or something and nobody could find her. And there was an empty grave plot next to hers that technically belonged to us. Wow. So I think she was like, hey, this grave's been empty for 40 years. Why don't you use it? And I was like, no. <laughs> that is so. 
Yeah, it's crazy. Like, yeah, you know, I don't know, uh, obviously, your relationship with your mom now, but do you guys just openly talk about this gift? I don't even know if I would call it a gift because I'm not someone who gets bogged down in like certain people can do certain things. I think it's everyone can. I just for some reason, if your mind is open to it, I personally believe that the afterlife is like, look, look, that one still believes. Let's talk to her. And it's like, no, but it's almost like a door that you can't close. So like, you can't just not believe that it's there. And so then I literally, it's like when my friends would play with Ouija boards when I was a kid, I would go to bed because I'm like, no, because you guys are all going to be laughing and I'm not going to think it's funny. (laughs) Right. Oh, I'm so scared of Ouija boards. I feel like every time it gets brought up, I'm like, I could do it. But I don't know. I don't think I want to. <laughs> Even if you can, but you don't want to. Right? Well, I'm curious what you think about this, Ashley. So like, once the pandemic's over, one thing I want us to do as a podcast is to host a live seance. Like, no. What are you... <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm with Ashley, honestly. No. I know, but that's what makes it so much fun, Kat, because I know you'll get really scared. Oh, no. Sorry, if, I, if you guys are both skeptics, go ahead because nothing's going to talk to you. Plus, what if we're what, not really that skeptical? <laughs> and Noah, what happens if we invite Ashley to the seance and then we let demons into the house and then Ashley goes, okay, well, you both about to die. <laughs> then so I that's guess not what's going to happen. Here's what's happening. Like you summon the demons and they follow me home, which is why I'm not mm-hmm. going to participate in a seance. Oh, cool. So it only affects you. Yeah, you should definitely come then because then you can narrate what's happening that we can't. <laughs> By the way, I do feel like I accidentally almost summoned a demon once, which I can tell you about later. <laughs> yes, please. That's uh, demons are, I don't know. That's, we've had a couple of guests tell us these stories where they had demons like kind of haunt them as a kid. And one of them, her name's Amanda. She's been on a couple of times, but she, her parents got her like an exorcism and like threw holy water <laughs> around the house. And it just like pissed the demon off. And <laughs> they actually could not separate it from her. They just moved out of that house and then sold it to somebody else. And then those people were like, hey, is this house haunted? And they're like, I don't, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We just have learned so much about stuff that we can't proof. And it's, it's like we have this huge data bank of knowledge. And it's, I don't know, it's fascinating. I'm glad we keep doing it. But it's a weird, it's a weird kind of notion. And like, I try to explain it to people. And I say, I can't predict the lottery numbers. I cannot predict what's going to happen to you. All I know is if someone died here, or if someone's pregnant, like, it's a very strange, it's, it's this middle ground where people are coming from and going to. And that's all I can tell you. You're like one of those uh, dogs that like sniff out cancer. You just walk by somebody and you're like, pregnant, pregnant, pregnant. <laughs> wait, wait, uh, did I, I'm sure I've talked about this before, but I was uh, listening to an Invisibilia episode. It blew my mind. It's like an NPR podcast, but uh, this woman can smell uh, Parkinson's and, and dementia and that kind of thing. Oh, wow. And, and that's like metal. Is that what she said? I don't. Maybe she just said, like, she said, she explained this lovely love story she had with her husband for so long. I think she's from Scotland and they like were so in love and all this stuff. And I think he turned like 55 or something. And she said she distinctly remembers coming home and him just having this smell. Like she's never smelt it before. And she was like, did you shower today? Like, what'd you do today? And he was like, what? Everything's fine. Or she, he had showered and it just never left. He always smelled that way. And, uh, and, and she was like, and from that day on, I kind of realized like we were drifting more apart and he, there was something off with him. And then um, he started having symptoms and issues and we went into the doctor and she's just kind of like putting the smell, you know, in the past, like she's like, whatever, I guess this is just what aging is. He just smells bad. Um, so they went to the doctor office and he was diagnosed with Parkinson's very sad condition and everything. So, they joined like a support group for it. And she said the moment she walked in the door, cause everyone in the support group has Parkinson's. She was like, it hit me like a wall. Like every single person had Parkinson's in that room and the smell was overwhelming. And so the podcast is so interesting to listen to because like a specialty doctor, like has her test out placebo patients, um, people that don't have it, people that do have it. And they did it with like dementia and they did it with other neurological things. Um, and she could smell them. And so she was like, I she literally crazy. could walk in a store or in a restaurant and like smell. And, and that's the weird, she was like, I always know if they have it, but I don't know if they know it yet. And I'm, I'm not the person that's just going to walk up to like a 20 year old and be like, Hey, 
surprise you have Parkinson's, you know, it's such an intimate thing. Yeah. Oh my God. Isn't that insane? I didn't even oh know God. that that was possible. I'm sitting here smelling myself like, oh, why can't I have that power? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just like can't smell at all. So I'm useless. <laughs> well, and Ashley, I know you don't like to kind of put terms on yourself in a supernatural sense, but do you kind of consider yourself a medium with uh, what you have going on? No, because I, I, I truly believe that everyone has this, whatever it is, it's just energy. I do. And I believe that for someone to label themselves something that they haven't studied, like I've not studied this. I don't know what's going on with myself. It's, it's just always been here. So no, I wouldn't call myself a medium. I wouldn't call myself anything other than freaked out by the fact that, you know, stuff dies around me and I know it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just so fascinating. I've, um, I mean, our our audience probably gets tired of me saying it, and I stopped for a while, but when it comes up, I do remind <laughs> them. I have like a, a, a real fear of death, and when we have guests on that have such an intimate relationship with death, I just, I don't know, it seems like the worst. But I guess maybe it makes you, are you less afraid of dying because you have this, or no I don't really know what's going on I just know that like it happens I mean the only thing I can say is that 100% I believe that there's something else I just don't know what it is um and I do believe that there are forces that try to trick us that's why I won't like play with Ouija boards or anything I believe that there's like demonic forces things Mm -hmm. that try to trick you um but I do believe that there is for lack of a better term, like a a heaven or a better place, simply because there's just too much that happens and too many feelings that I have with these things that, that kind of separate that out. Mm -hmm. I don't really know how to explain it, but I guess it gives me comfort knowing that there's something, but it also, you know, mortifies me that there's, there's something and I don't know what it is. Yeah. That's what for me is so hard because I do really enjoy life. I mean, even though you know, obviously life isn't perfect for anybody, but I mean, I I enjoy living and exploring and it's weird to know that that just kind of comes to an end and we're kind of dependent on our bodies when we have this consciousness that it's like a different thing. I don't know. Anyway. Um, So yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Can you kind of walk us through like some of the milestones of this ability? Milestones. I guess you talked about your dog. Has there been any other like I guess I'm just interested, like, how you explain this to your friends like, <laughs> when you got older. How are you? Or, or I don't know if that was your boyfriend earlier, but how do you explain that to them? It's just a man that walked into my house. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that um, random guy that was in your bedroom. Like, I don't know. Um, so I, I honestly don't talk about it a lot simply because unless it involves the person and then I'll call them and tell them something. And they're like, how the hell did you know that? And like, Oh, how do I tell you that I saw it in my head just now? And they just kind of accept it and move on. Um, I would say that a lot of my religious friends accept it a lot quicker because they believe in afterlife. And there's that whole concept, especially like in Catholicism about like demonic possession and like exorcisms and all that stuff. Um, so I would say that a lot of my friends who are religious actually are like, oh yeah, yeah, you probably called on a spirit. And I'm like, oh yeah, cool. <laughs> Sweet. Um, but most people in my life, I don't, it doesn't really come up super often. And if I have a feeling, I usually keep it to myself because I think a part of me is like, well, what if I'm wrong? And then I call them up and I'm correct. And I'm like, oh, I have good job. I don't really know. <laughs> right. Definitely. But it's probably good to feel validated at least. Cause I mean, I'm sure there's probably some internal conflict when you have a voice telling you things and you know, things that people might consider like out of the ordinary. Texting your friend and being like, so did your grandma die? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't. It's like, it's like with, with my, with my friends who I'm like, I know they're pregnant, but I can't just ask them because what if they're not? And then they text me that they are. And I'm like, cool. I totally didn't know that before you told me. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, that could go wrong pretty fast. Yeah, so I, I, I usually just keep it to myself. And it, it, like I said, it doesn't happen all the time. Like, I don't just know that everyone's, I have to have a connection with the person. Like, we have to be pretty connected. But with the death thing, it's if I walk into a place that's full of it, which, like I said, is not 
every day. So I don't talk about it a lot, but like if I'm in a space where I'm uncomfortable, cause like I'll walk into a space that you can just tell something is bad there. Then I'll tell my friends like, can we please leave? Cause I just, I can't do this right now. And do you consider yourself an empath? Do you generally take on like other people's emotions? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I do that. I don't know if I'm an empath or not, but that sounds pretty accurate. I think I may have left this out in your intro, but one thing that seems to be a part of who you are and, and that you talk about frequently is your OCD. I saw it in your uh, one of your stand-up <laughs> clips you posted. Can you tell us a little bit about that and has your relationship with the supernatural affected your OCD in any way? If you don't mind talking about it, you definitely don't have to. Yeah, no. My, okay, <clears throat> this is a whole book and a half, but they think that what caused my OCD, because I have almost um, teretic OCD. Mm-hmm. So like I have tics and I have a tic disorder and I have like tapping and blinking and different things that I do, clearing my throat, that kind of stuff. <clears throat> so, so that kind of stuff, people think, oh, Tourette's and no, it's just, it's OCD. Um, but they think I got it when I was a really small baby, when I started to get strep infections. Hmm. Um And they think I had something called pandas, which is basically brain damage caused by an autoimmune reaction to strep. And so my whole life I've been different neurologically, they think. And so that kind of, I do feel like that neurological like imbalance, if it's there, has opened something that just thinks differently than other Mm -hmm. people, which a lot of us have, I think it's called neurodiversity. Like we're all different um, in our brains, but there's just something that switched on. And I don't know if it has to do with the OCD for, for sure. There are voices, not like voices, but like there are things in my head that make me do certain things, certain amounts of times so that something bad won't happen. So like Mm -hmm. from a young age, I've understood what death was before anybody explained it to me, like my mom remembers she did, she, she couldn't figure out how I knew what death was. Cause when I was six, my grandfather passed away and she remember, I remember that cause they told me and I was like, Oh, he's dead. And they were like, yeah. And my little brother didn't know what it was. Like he goes, Oh, dead. Like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And I just said, he's not coming back. And they were like, well, like they didn't have to explain it to me. And I knew he wasn't coming back. And like from that moment, I've just never. So I, I can't really figure out because like the OCD has to a lot to do with if you don't tap that door frame, somebody's going to die. If you don't do this, somebody's going to die. It's constantly thinking about you hurting other people or death. And so it's like, I don't know how the concept of being dead was in my head at such a young age and nobody explained it to me. Maybe I saw mm-hmm. it on TV, but it kind of goes back into that train of thought of like doing things to prevent people from dying. Right. Santa Claus must've been a breeze for you. If that's what you were dealing with as a kid. Oh yeah. Santa was nothing. I went up to my mom and I said, he's not real. And she goes, um, ask your dad. And I was like, I don't need to, because he's just going to pretend that he's real. And I know you. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I already know. I was like, I'm pretty sure we're good here. (laughs) The voice is just like, good job. (laughs) (laughs) Now take 10 steps to the left and find your uncle. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, I think the video I saw you were doing stand-up specifically um, about the OCD. And and I think the the type of OCD that you've explained wasn't one that I was super familiar with. I kind of only knew like what I've seen in media movies and TV shows and stuff. So I did find that very interesting. Have you found that being a voice for that, have you had other people reach out to you and, you know, kind of relate to what you go through? Oh, hundreds and hundreds of people. I mean, it really surprised me because I always thought I was the only one with my type of OCD. And it was so severe that like, I have a hard time driving because I can't stop ticking. And I always thought like, this is how people with Tourette's are presented. Like nobody's ever, <sighs> no, because of course I have the obsessive compulsiveness of OCD, like the whole monk thing. I would say it's to that caliber. But as I got older too, the physical ticks were a lot more present. Mm-hmm. And so I never knew how to understand it. And as a kid, I thought I was the only one. 
And so I posted a video on my TikTok that went viral and I think BuzzFeed and Daily Mail picked it up. And all of a sudden, all these parents were reaching out to me too with kids who had pandas. And I made sure to let everyone know, like, I'm presumed to have had it, but because I'm an adult, it's really hard to like retroactively test me. It's considered like an adolescent disease, but that's what they think happened to me. And they're like, it's happening to my kid right now. And this is exactly what they went through. And like, this is their OCD. And like, these are the ticks that they have. And like, it was, it's just really incredible because a lot, a lot of people have reached out. Um, and it makes me feel a lot less alone. Yeah. That's so interesting to me. I should have mentioned this earlier, but I'm a a pediatric therapist, occupational therapist. So I don't do necessarily the psychology side of it, but a lot of that ties into some of the kids I see because they're, I've had kids that, you know, their main concern, the parents main concern is just like extreme tantrums because they're so OCD about bedtime, about what their parents say. They have night terrors. They're getting up, they're banging their head against the wall, like all this stuff. And I can, you know, go as far as I can to recommend child psychologists and work on like sensory integration and doing all this kind of stuff. But yeah, there's definitely a consistent population of kiddos that go through that. It's like one in 200, I think, are the numbers. Yeah. Well, I think that's awesome that you're lending a voice to that, especially I think it's good for people to see all the stuff you do, you know, especially creatively. And while also having to kind of walk the shoes of somebody who has OCD like that is pretty impressive. Well, thank you. It's, it's what I do to get my brain to stop screaming at me. So, (laughs) well, speaking of your brain screaming at you, has there been any other kind of supernatural instances that come to mind that you would like to share with our audience? I told you I called on a demon. (laughs) Like, oh yeah, I, I kid you not. This was, okay, so I told you that both my grandparents died when I was 16, 10 months apart from each other, and I was very, very close with them. My grandmother actually had Parkinson's, so I was very, very close with them, um, and they both died, and I just slipped into, like, I was very upset, and so maybe five years ago, I decided I wanted to talk to my grandmother, and like I said, I'm someone who does not mess with that stuff for a reason, because when I mess with it, things happen. But I thought, well, if I'm just trying to like make sure she's okay, that's a good intention. I should be fine. So I went to a bookstore and I just so happened to cross a book that said like talking to your relatives, you know, and I was like, okay, this looks really nice, really serene. Like it's got this cute purple cover it's very pleasant to read. Like it talked about auras. I was like, okay, this is nice. This is not witchcraft. This is just energy. And so there was something in there about like sending yourself into the universe and like asking the universe to like present your loved one to you so you could just check on them. And I'm like, this is very wholesome. This is a great plot twist. You know, it's not wholesome, Mm -hmm. but it felt very wholesome. So I tried it. Nothing happened. I go to bed. Great. Next day I wake up and I go visit my mom and I hadn't told her that I'd done this or that I tried to talk to my grandmother at all. And my mom, we're sitting there like sipping coffee and she goes, I had a weird dream about your grandmother last night and I never dream about her. And I was like, Oh, what was it about? (laughs) And she said that my grandmother was talking through an old transistor radio And she kept saying, get Ashley back on the phone. We got disconnected and I need to talk with her now. And she kept saying it over and over. And my mom was like, well, where are you? And she's like, I can't tell you. I don't know where I am, but I can't stop working. They're watching me over and over and over. Get Ashley back on the phone. We got disconnected. And my mom was like, Ashley, it didn't sound like her. It sounded like something else. Oh no. And I took the book and I threw it down a trash chute and I prayed to Jesus and I left that there. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. I would be so terrified. I was done. I was done with life. I was like, all right, kill me now because it's all coming for me. It's fine. (laughs) I'm picturing the book from Harry Potter that had like tries to eat you when you open it. (laughs) 
Colin Cat, what's it called? You're the you're the resident expert. Wait, say it again. The book from Harry Potter that like when you open it, it tries to eat you. It has teeth and like bounces all over the room. Oh, that's just for uh, like the magical care of magical creatures. It's the oh. monster book of monsters. Yeah, okay. but that's just for the class. It's not like it actually tries to. All right, Muggle, settle down. I was just curious. okay. <laughs> okay, do not <laughs> call us a Muggle. Who are you? That was probably, frustrating. He's probably a Gryffindor. Uh, Slytherin, but I'm yeah. a Gryffindor. Oh, can I can I just vent about something since JJ's not here? He always uh, will use like um he'll okay. So you know how you just like cast a magic spell at someone you know with your fork or whatever. You're just like having fun at home, <laughs> or you know a pencil, or or you pretend to have a wand. He literally will just randomly be like Avada Kedavra, and I'll be like. What if that worked? You're literally going to like kill me? Like, and I take it really seriously. I get so mad at him. Why is that the one he goes to? Why not like... Thank you. Thank you. Why is that the one he goes to? Isn't he he a Hufflepuff? That doesn't sound very puffy. I know. He he could literally just be like, silencio. Like, okay, that's offensive too, but it's better than (laughs) trying to kill me. Anyways. Yeah, like work your way up to that. You don't just start with that. What house am I? I'm going to guess Slytherin, but that may just be wishful thinking. No, either you're like a, a raven puff, maybe. Can you do both? I'm a, I'm a raven slaw. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Wait, slaw. Oh, so that's still. Yeah. Oh, Slytherin. Ravenclaw with a Slytherin little, little subtype. Okay. Yeah, I, I always get Gryffindor and Slytherin with Slytherin being the more predominant of the two. So, like, I feel in my heart that I'm Gryffindor, but every test online gives me Hufflepuff. But <laughs> I, so I get it. I know where I really should be, but I should be a Gryffindor. So for a while, Kat would get so mad about that. I'd be like, "Oh, thanks, Kat. That was really nice." She was like, "I'm not trying to be nice. Like, just <laughs> I'm not always nice." And I was like, not, "I, I mean, you mean. are pretty nice." I don't. That's exactly what a Hufflepuff would say. Though. I know. I know. <laughs> No, but I I can choose my house. You know what I mean. That's what Harry said. The most the most I've ever been insulted. One of my friends, we were talking about um, Harry Potter houses or whatever, and I was like, "Well, I'm a Slytherin," and she was like, "Please, you're just a mean Hufflepuff," and it hurt me so much <laughs> when she said that. <laughs> oh my gosh! So did you did shutting the book kind of solve the issue there? Did you ever have any more instances with that demon? So. And this, I mean, look at this either way you want. I, I'm interesting. I am a bisexual Christian who believes that Jesus was a liberal wearing sandals and loves the gays. So like, I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to like, there's not misconceptions, but there, you know, if I say, oh, I'm Christian, people are like, make assumptions. But I'm very liberal. It's very, it's an interesting dynamic. But in that moment, I was so scared of whatever that was that all I did was give myself to Jesus. And I was like, I don't want that. And for some reason I feel you. And I started like bawling like a baby. And I had this like moment of, I had this vision. And then after that, I just believed in him and I was like, all right, you got me. And I never had that demon feeling again, but that's not everyone's experience. And that's completely okay. Like, I believe that Buddhism and, you know, all, all of the religions, I don't know why I went straight to Buddhism, but I believe that all, all the, the isms, religions, yeah. yes, <laughs> yes, um, all the isms are correct in their own way. I just, that helped me through that. And now I have a bearded friend. So <laughs> we've had a couple of guests, well, more than a couple that have had um, haunted homes or, you know, experiences where they claim they had things going with demons. And I would say the vast majority of them have leaned on Christianity to cleanse their home, you know, cleanse their spirit. And they say that's what has worked for them uh, with the ca- same caveats you made. You know, they're not saying like they have all the answers and they certainly give um, credence yeah. to all the other religions as well. But mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's we're raised. I was brought up religious. Um, I'm not as religious now, but I think I'm more spiritual, but. I think if shit hits the fan to the point that you believe, you know, there's a demon in your home or trying to get you, then it wouldn't take me very many steps to get to reaching out to Jesus for help. You know, I think in that moment it was like, cause I've always been a skeptic 
of Christianity always. Like when I was walking to school in sixth grade, this is a lifelong thing. When I was walking to school in sixth grade, I was like, oh, Jesus, if you exist, why don't you give me a sign? And I looked up and there was a stop sign with a bumper sticker on the back that said, Jesus loves you. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I was like, you gave me an actual sign. You're such an asshole. I kind of wish the voice would have been like, I'm right here. And you're like, wait, you're Jesus. And he's like, no. (laughs) Right. And so it's this lifelong thing of like, because I can't see it, I don't believe in it. Cause I was always such a scientist about that. And then, and then the minute that I believed, I was like, I'm shaking to the point where I'm scared of his antithesis. So why can't I believe in the good half? Hmm. And it kind of clicked in that way. I'm like, it's a full spectrum. Like if I believe in demons, I believe in the other side. Right. And the, my whole life, I think that, all of the hateful parts of the man-made religion kept me away from it because ain't no way in hell that I believe gays are going to hell. That's just not Jesus-like in my opinion. And I think it's the opposite of what he taught. So to me that invalidates an entire religion because that doesn't make sense. And I'm all about things making sense. And so I just kind of had to push that all aside and be like, those are people problems and I'm going to go with what I believe, which is that Jesus is best friends to literally everyone and will open the gates for anyone, no matter if they're baptized or not, as long as they're a good person. Yeah. Well, look, in 2020, I think we could all use a little bit of Jesus in our lives, probably. I don't know. Whatever it is, man, whatever you wake up and whatever God you pray to, if that makes you feel good and that is what you believe in, then it's true. And I truly believe that. Well, Ashley, I know that you had mentioned, it may have been when we were messaging back and forth um, when booking you for the episode, but that you maybe just like even yesterday had a supernatural experience or very recently had a supernatural experience. (laughs) That was my pregnant friend. Um, God, that was so weird. So like I laid down for a nap and all of a sudden in my head, I saw the ultrasound and it said, so-and-so is pregnant and it is a blank. And so... I didn't want to like be wrong, but I also knew I wasn't wrong. And I was like, am I just going to wait for this person to tell me or Mm -hmm. so I just like Snapchatted my friend and was like, how you doing? (laughs) And she Snapchatted me back in ultrasound. And I was like, yep. (laughs) Get out of here. Yeah. Was it the same ultrasound that you saw? Like the same exact image? I mean, they all look very similar. I don't know. I just know that like, I saw it at a phase where it was almost complete and that kind of has significant, I won't, I won't go too much into that story because you know, personal, but like basically like I saw this baby being born and I was just like, good job. (laughs) Wow. Um, Now that yin and yang with your experience. Yeah. I was going to say now, now that power I would take because then like, all your annoying friends from high school that are now like, look at my like surprise gender reveal party. You can be like, it's a girl. I already know. No, literally that's what happens. Like they just bring you to the parties and you jump out of a box. You're like, Oh boy. I already know. (laughs) Boy. Take a shot. I I have, I, this friend who's pregnant, I saw a girl. So now I'm like, it's a girl. And she's like, you don't know that. I'm like, all right, we'll see. That's so wild. Gosh. I mean, it sounds like that you're pretty at peace with whatever it is that's going on. Other than your, uh, when your dog passed away, had there been moments where you really wished you didn't have this in your life where it was just, just awful? Um, the only time that it gets awful is when I'm in a place that's overwhelming. So like, it has to be really bad energy. Even when you go to a graveyard, a lot of that energy is like people energy. Even if it's dead, it's still people. The only time I've ever wished that like I didn't have it is when you feel something truly demonic or truly evil. And it just, it's almost like you taste something bad. Like something's completely wrong. Everything's wrong. And it's really trying to get to you. Um, that I, but, but I truly believe that people walk by them every single day and like nothing attaches to them or nothing tries to get at them because they can't see them and they don't believe in them and they're skeptical and like something closed in childhood that just never reopened. And sometimes I'm very jealous of that because 
you don't want to see the evil energy in the world. You want to walk by it. Who wants to feel that? But I, like I said, I really don't feel it every single day, which is good because I think I would go insane if I did. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how you. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it seems like it's it's worked for you. I, I just it seems like it'd be very stressful. I feel like I don't know. I feel like my whole life is kind of stressful. Like, <laughs> I don't know. You know what's really crazy? I had this. So I'm 27. And when I was about 12 years old, the number 27 popped into my head because three plus three plus three is nine and nine plus nine plus nine is 27 and seven plus two is nine. It's the perfect damn number. So basically my theory when I was 12 is that when I'm 27, it's going to be like the biggest year of my life. Like it is going to be the most astronomical, like life changing, impactful year of my entire and life. here you are on the Real Hauntings podcast. Congratulations. Right. Well, look at 2020. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't know. And so the year started and you know, what's crazy though, is that I said something big was going to happen on my birthday. And I think right around my birthday, we got a new president and I'm like, all right, this year's turning around a little, we're yeah. good. Hey, for that's sure. good. Thank you for that. If that yeah, was you. We appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we got a snort. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just, I mean, I don't think I've ever wanted it to go. I've never known what it is like without it, but also I, I don't hear it every single second. So that's good. And I think you... if they were like super present, I'd be like, shut up. <laughs> and I may have just imagined this earlier, but did you say that that was your fiance in the house? Oh, did... yeah. How does he, uh, what, what is his reaction to all of this? It's funny because I seem to just attract the people in my life that really don't care because like I'll say something and something like it, it's not every day, but like with the thing that happened yesterday and he's like, Oh, cool. Like, cool. <laughs> yeah. Did that again. How many times does he make the joke that he's pregnant with a food baby and ask you if you can see it? Oh my gosh. It's funny. Cause I really don't, I don't like predict every single person's pregnancy but if I'm really close with someone I'll kind of know what they're having or like with what happened yesterday but like actually earlier tonight he was pushing his stomach out saying he was pregnant (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like that's what I would do to my wife (laughs) I know this is a stretch because you just met me I'm not pregnant by any means but my sister is can you sense what she's having (laughs) should I show you a picture probably not a boy really yeah oh my gosh that'd be so fun (laughs) oh you don't know yet (laughs) I know I have no clue (laughs) okay I feel like I was getting like the tiniest hint of girl and boy so like twins or like they think it's gonna be a boy and then at the very last minute oop it's a girl (laughs) yeah I think they they might be waiting until the day of to find out but that sounds like a risk I wouldn't take. I'd be like, I need to buy all your colors. So <laughs> right. When my wife got pregnant, we were like, we want the blood test. We want to know like right now. And I had no idea you could find out like that soon, the sex yeah. of a child. Like it was mm-hmm. way early. You seem like a girl dad. So, I mean, I have a son, but I wanted, <laughs> I wanted a daughter. Um, I just like all my best friends have always been women. And I just tend to get along with women better in general. Um, but I love my son. And of course, it's been a lot of fun. You know, he's like nine months now. So and you wouldn't change it for the world. I wouldn't. No. And I've been asking my wife if I can just go ahead and get circumcised because I don't want to go through this whole pregnancy experience again. Wait, circumcised? I mean, oh, Jesus. That's going to help you not get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> this, my whole life has been a lie. Um, uh, not circumcised, but uh, what do you call it? Uh, I always say snipped, but um, the vasectomy. Thank you. Sack. There we go. Thank you. Uh, I was but- going to call it a test doc to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> and now we are a medical podcast. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she has vetoed that so far. So I don't know. It's just like 2020 has been so stressful. And our son has been like such a bright spot, but I just can't imagine like going through that infant infancy period again of all the no sleep and just I mean it's just it's so much you literally had a kid during COVID good for yeah, you yeah he was born in um literally like 
a couple weeks after he was born, the lockdown started. Like it was mm-hmm. almost like COVID was a rumor at that point. <laughs> like my parents were here and my dad was like joking, like, oh, I washed my hands 10 times today. And I was like, no, I think this is going to be bad. You need to take this serious. And he's, he's older. Like my dad is significantly older than my mom. And he was just like, oh, it's fine. And now he's like locks himself in a bunker every day until this, you know, until he can get the vaccine. I'm just like, please take care of yourself. It's just, you know, what's, you know, what's funny though, is that people joke about washing their hands 10 times now, but like, if you have OCD, everyone's just living like we do now. And the funny, I also have um, autoimmune diseases and like different things. So I'm, I'm immune so you have compromised. To be really careful. Yeah. Yeah. And I see all these people walking around as if this is so abnormal and I'm like, it is, but I'm kind of really loving the fact that nobody's touching me and everyone's wearing a mask. Actually, we're so happy that you came on the podcast and shared these stories with us. Um, is there any other stories that you'd like to share with our audience before we get you out of here? Just stop playing Ouija boards, kids. There's <laughs> one person in your group of friends that hates you for it. And before we do get you out of here, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you to share your social media, where people can find you and support all the awesome things that you do. Yes, it is Lapin Studios. It's L-A-P-I-N underscore studios. Sometimes I do comedy and sometimes I put glitter on my face. <laughs> yeah, your um your social media is fascinating because there's so much going on and it all seems like it's going on in a big way. I'm like, oh this is cool. Oh, this is cool. Oh, this is cool. Oh, she does stand up. Oh, she acts, she does she like it's it's somehow you have like you literally have your finger in every pot like it's it's fascinating yeah, a lizard? <laughs> no that <laughs> you have your finger in every pot not that you're a lizard no i have a lizard oh, oh yes and i, saw, I thought you said did you call me a lizard i was like no <laughs> yeah you have a, a gecko right yes he's very fat for the winter now and i think that's the main reason i have followers like <laughs> it's for the just lizard. for the fat lizard and for the fact that I chopped all my hair off and had like some quarter life crisis and decided to get drunk and do comedy like there there's just like you said there's a lot going on and I don't really know how it goes on but it does and we're going to continue doing it well we wish you so much success and thank you for coming on the podcast hopefully we can find other ways to get you involved in our little world and I hope you have a good rest of the week thanks guys bye have a great week This is the second time we've had somebody on who has what I think I would call kind of a psychic ability with death. It seemed like she didn't really want to put any, or she definitely did not want to put any labels on whatever her gift or ability is. But I think that would, for me, that's kind of the easiest way to look at it. And I I can say with certainty that I wouldn't want that. I, I don't think there's any way I would enjoy having that ability. I think abilities like that are are hard for me to understand. But when I think about like all the rare cases of, of people that like that woman from the podcast I talked about who can smell things or like people that just have a, a, you know, one of their brain cords switched and suddenly they can see people's pain. It just instantly makes me think about how it's neurological, which I don't know. Like I, I was raised, I know we talked a lot about, religion in this episode. Um, and I was raised, you know, Methodist and, and I like to believe that, you know, my heart is still wishful and hopeful for the energy that is taught about the love of Christ and everything like that, which I think is meaningful and and worthy of people studying. I don't know. I feel like that's really hard for me to grasp you know, understanding or, or having a gift like that, but it's possible. I mean, we've seen so many instances and examples of people that have gifts like that. Yeah. Like and that. how fascinating is it that it's not only death, but it's also, it's literally life. She sees life mm-hmm. and death. Yeah. And I just, I just think there's so, I mean, there's so much that we can study and that we can learn and that we have discovered, but there's like infinite, infinitely more that we have no clue about I am so eager to get someone on who's had a near-death experience because, I mean, they just explain it like death is so cool, you know, not so cool, but it's like not something to be scared of. And like yeah. you see like people. super emo and goth. Just I know. Like, it's wicked cool. <laughs> you like see different colors and you see people and like 
somehow your consciousness is extended and I don't know what it is, but I think there's a lot to do with like what you're manifesting and, and what energy you surround yourself with. And if you're, you know, maybe it is like if you spend your whole life thinking about this that way, like your brain interpret it that way when you do die. Yeah. Um, well, and how wild was it that she predicted your sister, the sex of your sister's baby? I know. We'll have to find out. Yeah, we'll have to follow up. Because she was pretty quick to be like, oh, that's a boy. She said it almost oh, instantly. Here's know? an update. Back way back when, when we had, uh, we either had Teresa or April, I think. It got brought up in both, but one of my friends had a um, a baby pass away three months after she was born. Yeah, and one of our lovely ladies who came on, Teresa, Teresa, she mm-hmm. instantly was like, "Oh, well, she'll be pregnant again and have a boy." And she had a boy. The Get other out day. of here! I'm sorry, she hasn't had him yet, but she's pregnant, she's pregnant and it's though. a boy. Uh-huh. Oh, that's awesome. Because I remember you and I had some discussions about that since it was like such a personal thing. Mm-hmm. I think, did we leave it in the, the, Oh, I can't remember. But anyway, for the people listening now, if we didn't <laughs> leave it in, you can take solace it's, in knowing that Teresa did tell us about yeah. that and make that prediction. Um, I know people will skip around on episodes and they find us uh, at all different times. But if you go back to one of our earliest episodes, I think it may have even been like episode three. We had Teresa, the medium on who uh, is a friend acquaintance of cats from back when she lived where was it you left cat was it portland was it uh eugene, eugene. oregon which is like portland. an hour and a half southish of oregon of portland uh, portland and um cat had some experiences with Teresa where she had told her some things about her life that um, she wasn't necessarily aware of but yeah check that out that's always been a fan favorite episode and Teresa mm-hmm. is just incredibly lovely i wonder awesome. i wonder if Teresa still gets emails from people i'll have to reach out to her because i know last time you updated me she had to like update her website because she was getting like so many inquiries from Mm -hmm. the podcast um and i know our friend andy friend of the podcast i know he and his wife reached out and did a reading with Teresa, and he was happy with it just actually just as a person you know audience if you're looking for somebody and you to follow on social media i mean she's very interesting and i felt like a lot of people on social media, they may, you know, who have a following, they may be a model, they may be this or that, but her take and her life and her approach to those things is very different than like your common quote unquote famous person on, on social media or TikTok, which I yeah. think was a very unique perspective. Definitely. That Crazy. episode was a thinker. I like when we go deep. Yeah. And the, the death <laughs> thing is fascinating. I, I shared this story a while ago, but my mom uh, woke up on Christmas Eve when I was a kid and she was crying and she had a dream about um, her cousin or my cousin as well uh, being in a car wreck and his wife dying and their children, their three children being in the car. We were like, what's wrong? And she's like, oh, I had this awful dream. It felt so real. And then literally within... 15 minutes of that she got a phone call finding out that that had happened that night wow Um, and uh, my cousin's wife did pass away in that car now the only two of the three children were in the car but you know just to say that we don't really understand why we get these premonitions you know that for a lot of us it may happen once in our entire life you know Mm -hmm. Uh, but we do know it happens to some degree Um, so it's it's always fascinates me when we have somebody on who's like Oh no, this is all the time, like all the time. Cause I just, yeah. I don't know what that is. And you know, yeah. so I meant to bring this up earlier in the podcast, but audience, if you made it this far along in this episode, odds are you're probably a pretty loyal fan. And I know a lot of you have messaged us asking, Hey, how can we support you guys? Well, there's a pretty easy way. Now we have started our own Patreon and it's super easy to find is patreon.com slash real hauntings. And it's got some, uh, you know, really easy, affordable packages, like five bucks. Um, you guys can help us out. If you want to know where that money will go, once the pandemic is over, we'll be using those funds to do things like go on trips to LA to see some of the people who've been on our podcast and do, you know, live hauntings or recorded hauntings to go to haunted places and record there, um, upgrade our equipment, just things that will really help us bring you guys an even better experience. If you can't support us through Patreon, that's completely fine. No worries at all. But what you can do is you can go to iTunes and rate and review us. 
even if you don't use iTunes, you can just use your web browser um, on your Android device or just your computer. That rating and review means so much to us and it really does a lot for our podcast. And we certainly appreciate everyone who has taken the time to do that. We love you. And with that, I'm Noah Daniels. I'm Kat. And JJ's not here. (laughs) (laughs) Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.